The structure here in Kingston now that it's grown to the size that it is, is I have an operations manager um, who runs the day-to-day -day here. Um, we have a call center here that services all of our franchise locations. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a high-rise team out of Kingston as well and uh, a large projects manager. So those guys kind of get their arms around the whole, the sure. whole business here. And then we have a separate team who kind of focuses on support for the franchise owners. But one thing I'm super proud of in the way that our organization's built is everybody in the director position in this company and everybody on the senior management level. And I mean, every single individual started either on the phones or on the tools and yes. we built them up. We built them up. We gave them, you know, ongoing education. Like we have entrepreneurship classes that we're rolling out this year for all of our staff. Welcome to the Home Service Business Coach Podcast with your host, David Mowerman. You will learn to grow your home service business and transition from being the technician in your business to being the CEO and leading your team to success. Get a front row seat where you will get practical advice from industry experts on how you can level up your home service business. Get ready to take some notes because we're going to jump right into it here. What is up, ladies and gents? It's Dave Mormon, home service business coach. I'm coming back. This is the first time I've brought a guest on for the second time on the podcast. So I've got Mr. Chris Stonis here all the way from Kingston, Ontario, fe fellow Canadian brother. So Chris, how are things going today, my man? Things are great. And uh, I'm totally honored to be the uh, first re reoccurring guest on the show. That's uh, that's exciting. So yeah, thank you very much for, for having me. And, you know, I always get a lot of value out of these, uh, these conversations, you know, whether they're recorded or not. So let's, uh, yeah, let's jump into it. I'm excited. Yeah, awesome. Uh, so the listeners, so you guys know, I haven't chatted to Chris in some time here. And so I really wanted this to just be a good half hour catch up call, uh, chatting one one CEO to another. And I love interviewing guests when they're in Canada and just see how they're helping to to shape our country is is super cool. So uh, Chris and I met a little while back and uh, I learned about his uh, franchise model he's doing with his window cleaning business and just how he's growing uh, like stink uh, the other side of the country. So Chris, kind of like fill in a bit of the, the nuts and bolts. I know, you know, those are listeners coming on track back in the earlier episodes. You can see Chris and I filmed a really cool segment, but would love to just hear, man, like an update kind of how the business has been going this last year. And then we'll kind of hear more what you're up to uh, recently. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I think, I think like a lot of people in the home service space, um, we expect, we experienced a, a crazy growth in the last year. Um, you know, in the 10th year of our business, um, at elite window cleaning, we ended up doing a 33%, uh, revenue jump, which wow. was, you know, really, really impressive. Um, like everyone, we went into the last, the last, uh, fiscal year going like, what, what does this hold for us? What's in store? And, you know, our, our, um, plan had always been to double down on our strengths and to really focus on the things that we could control because there was no point in focusing on the things we couldn't. So we really focused on what we were best at, you know, really worked to grow our commercial footprint uh, even further beyond uh, where we already had. And we were able to, uh, you know, get some amazing people through the door uh, in a market where others uh, are currently struggling to hire and, you know, just 
were able to capture a lot of wind in our sail from doing the best we could kind of in every corner. So it's been, uh, it's been a crazy, crazy year for us. The franchise system, um, as you mentioned, is growing. Uh, last week, we closed uh, a deal with, with an amazing partner in Halifax. I couldn't be more excited for that market. And then uh, later this week, we're actually having a discovery day for Calgary and for Kelowna. So um, yeah, we'll be in all time zones, which will be a logistically uh, different for our call center here. <laughs> yeah, man, that's amazing. So just so the listeners know, um, how many, you've got the, the current local locations in Kingston. Can you tell us first how that's set up? Do you have a, a manager? Or how, how is that kind of structured? Then I'd love to hear more of the franchise system. Yeah, for sure. So um, our, our current, so our local uh, corporate shop here in Kingston, Ontario was a business that I opened back in 2012 with a borrowed car and a bucket and like a ton of drive. And we slowly grew that over the course of the last decade to uh, this year, we're targeting um, for about $2 million top line revenue in a city that only has 167,000 population. So we've wow. really really got our elbows out in this market and done a really good job of raising awareness. And we've always been really technologically focused. So we're really early in adopting WaterFed and figuring out how that works in our Canadian water table, um, per particularly in Ontario, you know, where the TDS and the groundwater is much higher than in British Columbia mm -hmm. and figuring all that out. And once we had the model built around um, like a really clear customer acquisition strategy, a really clear, uh, really clear, like come to market, um, strategy. We decided to franchise and we launched four franchise locations in 2019, along with 18 corporate shops, uh, across Ontario, and then, uh, kind of put pause on everything when COVID hit in early 2020, we went, let's, let's get off the growth. Let's focus on making sure that everyone who's invested in this company from a franchise owner to an employee who maybe, you know, relies on us to pay their mortgage or just had a child, like how do we get all these people across the gap? And then we can switch back into growth. That was really important. So the structure here in Kingston, now that it's grown to the size that it is, is I have an operations manager um, who runs the day-to-day -day here. Uh, we have a call center here that services all of our franchise locations. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a high rise team out of Kingston as well and uh, a large projects manager. So those guys kind of get their arms around the whole the sure. whole business here. And then we have a separate team who kind of focuses on support for the franchise owners. But one thing I'm super proud of in the way that our organization's built is everybody in the director position in this company and everybody on the senior management level. And I mean, every single individual started either on the phones or on the tools and yes. we built them up. We built them up. We gave them, you know, ongoing education. Like we have entrepreneurship classes that we're rolling out this year for all of our staff. It's, you know, it sounds hokey, but once a month it's elective, you don't need to show up. You know, there's some pizza and some cold drinks. It's after work. Yeah. And uh, we just do an hour on, hey, this is what it's like to run a business. Have you ever wondered what it's like behind the curtain? Like so many entrepreneurs are afraid to share what's going on in the guts of their business with their employees because they worry that it'll build resentment. And what we've seen is the exact polar opposite is it builds enthusiasm to be a part of the machine and to be a part of, you know, have the opportunities to grow. So that's kind of what our structure looks like day to day. And, and like, 
I mean, I love it. I'm enthusiastic as, yeah. as anyone. So, man, I love it. Like, it's just, it fires me up how much has changed in the last year. And how, how, how old are you now? You're a young guy. I'm 39. So, holding on to the young guy card with, with okay. a death grip, uh, yep. white knuckled, you know. But, uh, you know, yep. I've been doing this uh, since 2006, uh, been okay. a window cleaner. Um, started the company in 2012 and you know I think you're as young as you allow yourself to feel and this company and being an entrepreneur and being able to have conversations like this it, that it, you know fire me up that's what yeah. you know that's what keeps you in that zone so no man that that's amazing just hearing uh, your growth everything you're up to like I love a lot what you said I love the part where you're really developing your own leaders within the company I'm big on that as well if like we're not just going on Indeed and hiring someone for a $80,000 cushy management position. You're, people are earning it through their sweat equity. And yeah. man, does that create, like it goes right into the fiber of the company. They're then telling people, look where I started. It's like my manager started on the truck three years ago and now look at him. And it's like, it, it yeah. creates a lot of buy-in, I think as well. Yeah. And I think it creates like a very unique ecosystem within the company where, you know, everybody in every position in the elite ecosystem here has had those 30 degree days in the middle of summer where they're, you know, or everything goes wrong. You know, that's, that's home services, right? Like we all know anybody who's an entrepreneur knows that there are days where everything that can go wrong goes wrong. Yeah. And when you've seen that from the tech perspective, it's a lot easier to digest it from the management perspective and relate to the the problems that your technicians do inevitably run into every day out in the field. So yeah. for us, it's yeah. created a really powerful connection within the company, like a, like a core culture that's based around understanding what everyone else is or is about to, or has yeah. gone through in their, in their work path. So yeah, uh, it's cool it, to see. I love that, man. And those listeners, so, you know, I didn't prepare Chris at all. He didn't get any of the questions. So I'm just throwing <laughs> them into the den. My one question, man, coming up, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this is like, I'm looking at this book behind me right here, the four hour work week. I want to hear right. your thoughts on like, obviously you're running a multi-million dollar business. It's complex. Do you believe that the four hour work week exists in home. Like I just think home service oh, is inherently very hands-on. So I'd love to hear you. That is on, a great question. Is it a thing or are you free or are you never free? How tell me kind of your thoughts on that? Well, I'm glad you didn't give me any preparation for that one because I'm just going to riff on it. And, yeah. you know, I may change stances a couple of times throughout this, but um, I'm familiar with the book. Uh, I think, in my opinion, Tim Ferriss is one of the best interviewers kind of of our time. He's, a, he's fantastic at what he does in his podcast. Amazing. Um, when it comes to home services, I could be much more hands-off than I choose to be. Um, but I think my business would lose the heart uh, that I personally bring to it and the enthusiasm that I bring um, to the business. Now, that being said, I, you know, I can qualify with saying that I believe something would be lost, but for the first time, I've implemented a director of operations here for Elite. Um, it's somebody who actually came up from the tools all the way through, all the way along. This, this uh, individual, Jake Buffin, has held every position in this company and now is in a position where he can kind of oversee the operations. Mm -hmm. And if I wanted to automate, I could 
I could answer email from a beach in Hawaii for sure. And I would know my company would be in great hands, but what connects me and what fires me up is coming in here every day. You know, I have peers that don't go into the office every day or that don't, you know, wear the technician uniform because they've in some way grown past that. And for me, it's just not who I am. Like I, I come in 15 minutes before every staff member arrives so I can say good morning to people. You know, it, it's, it's part of yeah. what makes great home service companies great is their ability to not lose the customer care feeling of it, in my opinion. Um, so like, can it be done? For sure. I think there are, there's, I mean, everything's strategy, everything is systems and home services. I think you can put in amazing systems, automate a business. And if that's what you want to do, and that if you're actually more passionate about automating something and watching it work, yeah. then for sure it can be done. But I think the attraction to home services is generally more social individuals. Yeah. And I don't believe that the four-hour workweek model is inherently that social driver that we get as entrepreneurs when we get to see our staff enthusiastic about what they do every day. Yeah, it's a great, great answer, man. I think too, you're just hitting on a certain point where I think there's this uh, like a graph inflection point where there's a certain point in your business that you meet your personal financial needs and then some, and then I think it turns into kind of a passion project of like, mm -hmm. how are we developing people? What's my legacy? Like, I think you're kind of like morphing into that territory uh, as you scale your business, uh, I, I would say too. Yeah. And, and like, I think if you, you're always going to be attracted to where you're finding joy, like that's kind of the, the ideal scenario for any of us as human beings is like, if we can kind of stay in the light of, I love what I'm doing, like, dude, that's a good way to spend the 30 years you, you, you spend, you know, yep. earning a living. And, you know, as you're talking about like that metamorphosis from the caterpillar to the butterfly, you know, for, for a metaphor is I had this exact conversation yesterday with one of my franchise owners he has a, a a large territory and he's been chasing his capacity where he's been feeling overrun because his business in the busy season is booking seven weeks out at capacity yeah. and he's so close to his business that he's not able to back off and and see it for what it is and add the vehicles and make the strategic play and I think every entrepreneur it's somewhere between truck three and truck five, where there's just the possibility of running your business, working on the business, as the email says, rather than in it, becomes a real uh, sense of playing dodgeball with life. Like everything's coming at you. you you're focused yeah. on one spotty window or one missed window or a cracked window or something. And that becomes the biggest problem in your day when really the biggest problem in your day is the fact that you're booking seven weeks out and you don't have any capacity room. So um, yeah. one thing we've been training a lot for our franchise owners is forecasting and running a four week average. So we coach them to run a four week rolling average and know what their capacity is looking like four, six and nine weeks out so yeah. that they can you know, add a vehicle or hire techs or change yeah. their marketing strategies if, if it's the opposite problem. Yeah. And I think, as new entrepreneurs, we get so close to the little things like a spotty window that we forget that when you have seven trucks on the road, as opposed to trying to do five trucks worth of work with three, 
you you're looking at things in a way that you're reactionary all the time you're not able to be proactive so yeah um there's a lot of good crms out there that'll give you good kpis and allow you to do forecasting and like i think you know speaking outside of the elite ecosystem to to potential new entrepreneurs or people who have started their business and might be listening to this podcast like finding a good set of kpis that that keep um uh like metrics that are going to give you not only what happened today forget about what happened yesterday but what could happen and what influence you may have on what happens a month down the road is like that's where that's where the real uh the real nuts and bolts of success come from yeah it's so opinion. so well said man um just to track back you said between cruise three and five are you guys running a one truck model or one person in a vehicle or you two okay two people, and what yeah. what would a average crew produce in revenue per year just guesstimating just so, so we can put some numbers on that you know like uh, an average of around somewhere around 1200 per day for two people okay. um you're running about a 30 percent wage percentage at that mm -hmm. so that's when the you know you're making really good money and a lot of mm -hmm. positive momentum and if you back off, that's where you have the position of, you know, you have three trucks doing $1,200 a day. So, you know, you're doing $3,600 of revenue a day um, at a 30% wage percentage. There is room for an owner to step back. And you may be running a 45 or 50% wage percentage because you're not putting out the fires as an owner. You're in the trucks and you're not able yeah. to like, you can actually step back be able to work on your wage percentage, work on your business and make more money with less effort in, in yeah. that three to five truck zone where yeah. like, and that's where I see everybody get hung up is like, you don't feel like the business is capable of supporting your, you as like, I'm, and I'm not saying go absentee, help your crews, you know, be in the trenches, but also give yourself the, the availability to be out of the trenches yeah. and able to, you know, run the business. 100% man in the people we work with I always call it the you know we all know we got to systematize our business like the e-myth says if you've not read that you got to you probably not listen to this podcast enough you got to read that but it's definitely I think the greatest system of all is really a time management system for the owner themselves and I think that's mm -hmm. the one like I was just on a call before this and they said Dave I feel like you're making me do everything all at once I said that is kind of growing a business. I said, you're riding a bicycle while you're juggling and you're scarfing down like a turkey sandwich. It's like literally yeah. <laughs> like, do we get the work? Do we get the people? Do we get the trucks? It's like those kind of all happen really boom, boom, boom. And if you mm -hmm. can do what Chris is saying, guys, and forecast properly, you're going to know if you make money on trucks one, two, three, and you follow the system, four and five will be pretty stinking good as well. So that's just yeah. kind of what we're getting at. So for numbers, Chris, generally for annual revenue around where would a franchisee struggle? Is it kind of that like 200 to $400,000 revenue range or it's like, it's yeah, really I think the jump happens right around. So I think on the tools right up to around a quarter million is mm -hmm. relatively comfortable you're used to dealing with your customers face to face you're uh, you have a small team so your interactions with your employees are really really close knit and then when you try the the jump is usually not 250,000 to in my experience mm -hmm. 
is not from 250 to 300. Usually the jump is something like 250 to 400 to 450. Yeah. Like there's a big jump right around 250,000 gross revenue mm-hmm. where you've built brand momentum with whatever your business is. And that momentum starts to push you rather than you push it. Mm-hmm. And there's like a big inflection point. And that happens again, right up closer to a million dollars where things move really quickly again. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're, if that momentum's pushing you and the phone's just ringing off the hook and you're still trying to squeegee every piece of glass or pressure wash every inch of the, you know, parkade or whatever your industry is, you're just going to get run down. Like it is going to happen and it doesn't feel good. And you don't know what's happening until it's six months too late or yeah. you're in the off season and you're going like, why am I burnt? You know, what the hell happened last year? Yeah. And you're like, Oh, wait a minute. I was understaffed. My capacity was way, way over what it yeah. should have been for the amount of uh, staff and vehicles. So good, man. So let me ask you this million dollar question. A lot of people listening right now are stuck on the truck. I've got off the truck. You've got off the truck. You've helped franchisees get off the truck. What's your piece of advice if I'm been in business however long and I'm still on the truck? How do you change someone's mind and say, you're making a terrible trade? How do you convince them? Do you got any ninja tricks on that one? My ninja tricks are, um, are you, you know, my first question is, are you happy? And often if I know somebody needs to get off the truck, they will say, I love the job, but I'm super overwhelmed, which is, you know, stuck on the truck code for I'm unhappy with what I'm doing. I'm feeling overrun. And then we just start to go, you know, you don't have to turn your back on your business or kick your babies out of the nest before they can fly you can take two days a week. And when I say, you know, when I recommend people take two days a week, I I recommend them take uh, Tuesday and Thursday. And the reason that is, is because it naturally breaks up the flow in a way that it's going to be easier to not get sucked back in. If you schedule meetings on Tuesday and Thursday, or you're running the back end of your business, or you're doing sales, that means, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you're on the trucks but there's no momentum with you just crushing out big jobs and it it kind of pulls the bandaid off a little harder. Um, The other thing I would say is try it. And if, 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 if you find that if you're not cut out for it, then acknowledge the fact, if you're not cut out to run a business off the trucks, I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that a million dollar business If you want to get there, you're going to need to hire administrators and people that are essentially going to be running your business for you because the two, it's very difficult to have them run hand in hand. A seven figure business for somebody who's on a vehicle, you know, working, executing every single day, that's a tough grind. And uh, there's some definite gaps to fill. So it's not that it can't be done. And what I'm saying is not for everybody. I mean, we're all you know, living our own experience as entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think the indicators, the biggest indicator is, are you happy? Or do you feel overrun? Because if you do, I'm telling you as somebody who, you know, and it's easy for somebody to to look at me as a CEO of a franchise system and not realize that I walk the walk every way from earning my first dollar to where we are today. And I have had the pain of pulling myself off the truck. And I have had the pain of, all those growth milestones. I didn't jump into this. I'm not a business school, you know, graduate. Um, And like, it was, it was tough for me. It was tough. It's tough for anyone who does it. So like, 
you know, acknowledging that you're not alone and you're totally valid in feeling like you've put your heart and soul into something. And why would you step back? That's yeah. a totally valid feeling. So. No, man, I think you're one of the most relatable people I've met in the industry of just like, oh, I can listen to this dude and I feel like he's just authentic. I think that's just the entrepreneur slash Canadian slash Chris and you is super cool. But like, how was it a multi-season process for you? Because you were like a pretty like legit window cleaner and and recognized, really good at what you do. So tell us for a couple minutes just how you did it. How that transition went for me. Um, So I was in my third year of operation, uh, coming to the end of my third year of operation. Uh, We were doing right around $250,000 to $280,000 gross revenue. And I was was actually working. I had managed to outsource my low-rise to, like, not outsource, but hire for all my low-rise activity, so residential homes and low-rise commercial, I had two separate crews running that, and then I had two high-rise crews, and I didn't have what I believed at the time to be a good leader on the high-rise crew, so I was working on high-rises, and I went through four uh, iPhones that year, and because I was constantly uh, hanging on the side of the building, taking appointments, answering customer calls, my technicians calls everything. And I'm, and it got to the point I, re- I can remember, um, like I dropped, uh, I dropped another $600 iPhone that I yeah. couldn't afford at the time. And I just went like, well, I guess I'm cleaning all the way to the ground with no disruptions right now. And I thought the whole way down, it was probably a 45 minutes to an hour that it would be ultimately less expensive for me to hire assistant admin than it would be to keep replacing iPhones. Wow. Uh, and then I was like, you know, thought to myself, oh my God, like you're not thinking right, man. Like you need, not only do you need help, but maybe I could set up a scenario where I would hire a part-time admin and then I would work with them part-time to bring them up to speed. And that's what training my first admin was what gave me the distance from the tools that I needed because I had to be out in the office with her to get her up to speed. And uh, it was a two season process between then and to the time that I was spending the majority of my time off the tools. Like today, if, if my operation manager called me and said, I'm in the weeds, you know, you got two free hours, I'll tell you what, I'm in my truck and I'm on the tools. Like it's, I'm still a technician at heart. And if somebody needs help, I'm there. But I knew that my whole business was being done a disservice by me ignoring the fact that people relied on me for income and I was being selfish with my time and not looking at my business properly wow. to, to provide for them ultimately and myself. So it was, uh, it was just as hard, man. It was just like, looking back, I can feel the pain. Like just, to, I haven't ever, I don't think I've ever told that story about the fonts to, to anybody. Yeah. Um, but like, that's, that was the catalyst was going, this, it took a really obvious, stupid thing for me to go, listen, man, like you got to make a change. Like this isn't sustainable. And, yeah. uh, you know, I hope that maybe somebody can listen to this and get, you know, a glimmer of their own future before they get to the point of, ins- you know, it being unsustainable. But, you know, yeah. maybe that's, maybe we all need that same kind of kick. I don't, I don't know. It's an amazing story, man. I'm surprised you've never told that, right? Have, Going yeah. through four iPhones. Yeah. And just so just so I got it right, it's like 
you need you saw the need to train an office admin help with the call volume that pulled you out of the field and then you lifted your head up and you're like wow the company kept facilitating production while i was training yeah. the office admin maybe i don't need to be in the field every day did you go in a hybrid role where you're like maybe i could do so, three days and then one day and then did, how did that work i got an insane amount of clarity over the three weeks that i was training Lindsay and that office admin that i trained the very first one is still here today she's now our commercial accounts coordinator and she books uh just over a million and a half system wide for all our franchises uh wow. so Lindsay's the og first admin and, and she's still here today but um you know, to answer your question was, by the time I was done getting her up to speed, I, I, I had realized that I, I was taking more meetings and doing more quotes than ever before. And it wasn't because my business was growing faster all of a sudden. It was because I had more bandwidth to follow up on quotes and to follow up with commercial accounts and to focus on my sales. And so by nature, my time kind of got filled up and I got into this position of like, I was kind of like a rescue guy for a couple of years where if a project was going a little long or somebody got hurt or somebody was sick or, you know, any, any breadth of things that happened within, within a season, I started filling that role and I loved it. I yeah. loved coming to the rescue at like two o'clock when the team thought they were going to be working till, you know, dark and then yeah. bang, we're out at four and, you know, yeah. everybody's in a good mood. That was you know, as a leader, that's probably the most fun part of anything I've done along, along this journey. But yeah, yeah that's how it looked for me was uh, forced into a training position and then got a lot of clarity because I was just too busy to go back. I was too busy. Like, that's how much I was putting off mm -hmm. that I was too busy to do both jobs. And I kind of look back in that moment and go like, how six weeks ago was I doing both these jobs? Like my poor yeah. wife and children, like, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, you know that yeah. grind and every entrepreneur yeah. knows like you're replying to emails at 11 o'clock at night. And mm -hmm. there's only so many years you can hang like that before you start going like, this is, this is burning yeah. me out. I read there's like the called, it's called the entrepreneur bathroom break where you're like at a party or whatever. And you go and just sit in the bathroom and you're just like, <laughs> and your wife or girlfriend's like, how are you feeling? Okay. Or, and you're like, yeah, I just booked like four grand and scheduled this crew. And I checked my CRM. It's just like so funny. And it's like, still kind of have those days. It's so funny. That is so uh, accurate. That is ridiculous. Yeah, the yeah. entrepreneur bathroom break. Totally. Yeah. And it, you know what? Your wife does send a text like, where are you? Are you okay? And yeah. then you kind of snap back and like, geez, I've been in here for 40 yeah. minutes. Yeah. I know. It, it's so funny. funny. So being respectful of our time here, man, we got maybe yeah. 10 minutes to go. I, I would love to... Um, kind of hear what the future is for your growth plan with elite tell us about how it's going with the franchise uh the franchisees you're bringing on and it's a really incredible system you're building you also touched on your kind of piloting this cool gm role so just talk mm -hmm. to us about like the next two three five years what what's kind of on the expansion plan we love chatting about growth so let's oh, hear awesome. it yeah so i think like we're in the most exciting growth phase that we've been in because we've taken everything we've learned and continue to learn and refined it and distilled it down and gone, what do people want? What do people need? So 
Um, our franchise model, we're still growing across Canada. We're looking for franchise owners in a ton of markets. And we've got a really, really neat positioning where people are able to get some pretty fantastic markets at a pretty, you know, I, there's nobody in the space operating at uh, as much of a low cost franchise model as we are, because what we're trying to do is target a younger demogra demographic franchise owner. Um, what we were seeing initially was a lot of corporate refugees, which there, you know what, there's nothing wrong with bringing a corporate corporate refugee on as a franchise partner. They they come with an insane wealth of knowledge and, you know, they have the, the capital to get these businesses up and running. Um, but what we saw was when we were able to get a young, you know, late 20s to mid 30s, you know, maybe even up to like early 40s, somebody who's really looking for an opportunity that was where our businesses just popped. Like we got these people in that were excited to work hard for a period of time and know that they were joining a system that was going to allow them to get off the tools and they would have that future, um, but they were ready to dig deep in the beginning, the beginning years and be in that business. Um, so we're looking for franchise partners uh, across the country right now. Um, and then we're also piloting a hybrid GM model for people who want to own a franchise but are just undercapitalized to the degree that they just can't buy a franchise. And so what that process looks like, and, and you know, it's very live on the floor. Uh, you know, I may even get my, my hand slapped by some of my partners for bringing it up, but we're looking for people who have proven management experience that we believe can grow a territory. And we do an equity split with them and we finance them as a GM. And we say, you know what, we will finance your your business it'll be our business and we bring the person in um, get them up to speed and then get them uh, get them equity in something that they can be an owner of and we kind of uh, we facilitate all the marketing costs and the vehicle purchases and all those hard costs in the beginning yeah. but what we're really looking for it's the person who makes a business work so you know we're looking for the right person that just doesn't necessarily have you know the financial luck fortune whatever you want to whatever you want to yeah. call it that's put them in a position to buy a franchise and like i think a lot of uh systems turn their back on a, a huge percentage of the population who could be insanely great owner operators they just can't buy their way into the game um so you know if anybody's listening to this and that resonates with um you can find uh, elite window cleaning ca is our website you can reach out through there find me on LinkedIn. I think Chris Stonis, um, just search it. You'll find me. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, like it's, it's super exciting. You know, we're, we got a lot of great momentum and we're attracting people that want to do something and want to make a name for themselves. And we're trying to do everything in our power to give them the tools to, to make a mutual success, which is what's so great about yeah. it. I think that's a great idea, man. When you look at hiring for the right core values fit and someone who could be around for the long term mm -hmm. to not let an upfront franchise fee get in the way of that i think they could earn that over time and you yeah. know it'll work out great for both sides so i think that it sounds like a very 2022 way of like running and growing a business which i think it'll definitely have some legs to it yeah it's exciting you know i think that you know when we look at what I, th I think the pandemic really reframed what a job is and people want something they care about. And, you know, so 
my parents certainly and and you know most people that i know of the older generation worked a job their entire life and had no equity in the company and you know how much harder would somebody work uh, if they had personal upside and like from a fairness standpoint if somebody is working you know their guts out for 15 years they should have ownership in that company so it's like for me it feels very symbiotic we haven't totally nailed down the last particulars but uh we are planning on launching uh, a couple pilots this this year with uh, equity splits with our gm so right. anybody who's uh listening to this and you know hungry to make a name um you know either talk you know reach out about a franchise if you want to own a territory or if you want to uh potentially run it as a gm we're always looking for great people yeah, I'm going to put your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. So get ready for awesome. some, uh, some requests. Maybe. <laughs> we had some after the last one. That's for sure. Oh, yeah, that's great. But uh... one other thing, guys, Chris does, that's cool. And you've posted this in the Facebook group a few times. You guys dress up like superheroes uh, at the Children's Hospital. Do you want to just talk about that for a couple of minutes? My wife actually works at Children's Hospital. So it just holds a special place in my heart here in British. Yeah. Columbia. But t- tell us a bit about that, because I think it solidifies the brand you're building as well yeah so i mean we started doing that in 2015 um at the kingston general hospital we just got the contract to wash the windows and uh, you know thought it would be the thought it would be funny and cool to do and like really something we could do for the kids because if if anybody who's washed the windows on a hospital um finds out pretty quickly that you still you you look through those windows when you're washing them, and it is like it is kind of heart wrenching to to see people in that environment, especially children. And so we talked to uh, the people at Kingston General Hospital, and um, they allowed us to do it. They were they were so enthusiastic about it, and uh, it turned into this crazy. It was totally not a PR stunt. Like we didn't even have a photographer take pictures or anything, and then the hospital brings this photographer out and he captures these insane moments like these truly beautiful moments with the children from the inside with the children watching our window cleaners and uh it went crazy viral it was on the cover of the sydney herald in australia and it was in like a national geographic time capsule and it was it just went unbelievably viral and we just went like holy crap like this is good news. This is a real true piece of good news. This is just oh, somebody with a humble trade doing something that costs them nothing and they're not looking for anything to gain, but bringing like so much joy to these kids. And uh, since then, we've just done it every year. Um, so, you know, going into our, I guess, seventh year this year um, of Superhero Day, we've rolled across the entire company now because it gets such media traction. Uh, what we do is we, every, every uh, window cleaner in the network, whether they're high rise cleaning the hospital or not, wears a red cape and we, we donate uh, 10% of the proceeds raised system wide uh, back to the hospital that day. And customers obviously ask why we're wearing the capes and we explain it to them. And, you know, customers will even up their, their contribution because they're so touched by it. So it's been, uh, it's been an amazing kind of experience just to do something for the sake of doing something good and then watch it grow into this monster yeah. amazing thing that touches so many people so amazing yeah, it's, 
I always like to say like in business and life, like it's important to be part of something bigger than yourself. And I think like building out a business that also is part of a bigger, a bigger plan is, is amazing, especially when you can enroll people in on that is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and culturally for our team, I mean, everybody just the week ahead of it is everybody's just buzzing. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. Um, being respectful of our time, one last final question, man. Elephant in the room, bottleneck in home services, I'll just go out there and say is going to be finding technicians, field team staff. Are you doing anything special with recruiting this year? You're bringing on a schwack of people wide. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit. What's in the pipeline for, for that? What are your franchisees doing? Uh, everybody's starving for great people right now. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think rather than, you know, a, a great labor shortage as people are, are labeling this, I think we're approaching uh, an equalization of, uh, of the way that people justly should look at their job. Um, and I'll catch some flack for saying this, but I think in the home services industry, we have, we have had it really easy with finding people and paying them in a way that allows us to make really great margins and nobody's called us out on it. And now we're struggling to hire, to hire people because, you know, a, a definite reshuffling of the deck happened through COVID. You know, you can blame, you can blame the pandemic, you can blame subsidies, you can call it whatever you want, but something changed. And we, without acknowledging that something changed, you're going to constantly be looking for people and feeling like nobody wants a job. If you acknowledge that something changed, then you have to look internally and go, what do I change to mirror what's changed in the market? Because as a small company, we don't have Walmart's influence over the market, right? So um, what we're doing is making sure that across our network, everybody is uh, making a, a fair living wage. That's number one. Um, I think that if you don't have the opportunity to wave the flag of a living wage employer, then you should reassess your pricing. Um, if you feel like you can't pay somebody high enough to, to have a living wage um, or reassess what in your business is creating that situation and be honest with yourself, it's not gonna be fun, but be honest with yourself. And the way that we're attracting talent is um, we use radio ads. Um, we have, uh, we don't even do 60 second spots to sell our businesses, but we do six, like our services, but we do 60 second spots to say, Hey, we're a company and we're looking for new people. This is why it's great to work at elite window cleaning. This is what we give back to our employees. This is what other employees have to say about working here. And if this interests you at all, we are looking for great people to join our team. Absolutely. And we're able to get a clear message across um, to a ton of people. So yeah, it's different. And yeah, there's a cost associated, but there's a bigger cost associated from not having enough people to fill your trucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. And I think too, the fact your brand's going nationally, there's a lot of play with that, with the radio stations, right? Finding the right stations, similar brand messaging. And if that's going to be a lever you can pull for technicians and for operators, like that's amazing. Yeah. And I think like, I, I, I think one thing about radio is people don't realize how affordable it can be. So one of my franchise owners, I'll give you guys an, an ex a great example sure. is um, one of my franchise owners in a small town called Belleville, Ontario, about 70,000 population. 
definitely doesn't have a huge market, definitely doesn't have a huge marketing budget because he has, he's a really small operation. Um, not really small, but size to his market. Sure. Um, he went to the radio station and said, I'm looking at doing some hiring ads. And they said, we'll give you 260 spins for $800. He was looking to get four technicians to hire four technicians. So if you average that out, that's $200 per you know, technician off 200, 260 spins. And the radio station told him, hey, you know what? If we run this for a week and you have already hired your people, change your creative and use it to sell window cleaning, no problem. And like, when you look at it like that, yes, it's $800, but would you rather have a hundred resumes or two? And, and that's kind of what yeah. the, the case study that I would say is it is less expensive than you, than you might think to run a radio ad. Yeah. And I think you hit it on the head too, right? What's the cost of not having someone skilled in that role? And I think, mm-hmm. I think a lot of companies are going to morph towards building out like boutique experiences where what you said, their pricing is more premium and maybe not everyone wants to put on, you know, a hundred trucks on the road, but wants to have three trucks, very profitable, have a great lifestyle. Like, I think there's a lot of those kind of owners out there looking for those opportunities. So, you know, it all starts with a great owner, a great vision, and then building out your organization. But yeah, I think field staff, like, I think getting work's not becoming the issue for someone in business more than three years. It's getting and attracting the top people. And one thing I'll piggyback what you said is like, we say there's no good people. I always fight back and say, well, there's very few good visions out there for how someone could make a career. And so you jump on enough Facebook groups, see people crying. Usually if you ask them, shot them a message, hey, do you have a like a vivid five-year vision, you know, like uh, Cameron Harold talks about? It probably, didn't, mm-hmm. probably doesn't have one. And so it kind of, again, a chicken and egg thing, a cause and effect. So that's kind of my two cents on that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. Yeah, great, great people are out there. And uh, yeah, yeah, they just, their employment needs to be more equitable than maybe it has been in the past. Yeah. Hundred percent. Well, man, let's land the plane there. We're gonna have to do this again. Uh, I'm gonna link up your your LinkedIn and website in the show notes, uh, guys. Hit up uh, Chris. You know, uh, even if you got a question for him, he's just a down to earth Canadian dude like myself, and always uh, always up for a chat. So, any any uh, last words, Chris, before we uh, sign off here? No, I just wanted to say thanks for having me and like to anybody that's uh, getting uh, getting a business started or looking to, you know, grow one in a different way or is has resonated with any, anything that we've said here. Like, yeah, reach out. You know, I'm, I'm a, just a regular person and uh, I love talking about this stuff. So good luck to, to everybody who's inspired to listen to this. And I hope uh, hope everybody has success in 2022. Let's do it. Appreciate it, Chris. We'll be chatting soon, brother. All right. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the episode today. If you want to get even more value from David, then book your free coaching call at homeservicebusinesscoach.com.